All right, last week we started uh, uh, with the armor of God. We, well, actually, a couple of weeks ago, we started with the armor of God. We're kind of finishing up Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, in this, uh, what we, the way we started, kind of a quick review for those who weren't here. But for those of you that were here last week, how many of y'all had to get back in the bucket this week? How many of y'all know what that means and you had to get back in the bucket? Ashley, you had to get back in the bucket. Anybody else? Did anybody else have to get in the bucket? Did anybody have to work really hard to stay in the bucket? And remember and like hold on to the bucket. Anybody have any issues like that? Got to be back in, right? All right, good. You know what I'm talking about. We'll give you a quick review on this and get into our new stuff. But uh, in this armor of God, this is crucial, guys. This is why um, many Christians aren't victorious is because we look at the armor of God as some Halloween costume or something like a football uniform that we might put on, you know, whenever some kind of battle comes up. And we don't realize that we are in battle all the time. Uh, and the devil's very crafty in that battle. You know, one of the ways, it's not a matter of just making it tough. Um, I, I will tell you this, that if you know anything about ministry, whenever you preach on this kind of stuff, you can expect attack. You can expect attack. I will tell you that but we have had some severe attacks, not as bad as it could be or whatever, but we have known this week that we have been under attack with different things. But you know, attack comes more um, in more ways than just, you know, a force coming at you. Sometimes it comes it, when everything is good. The devil would love to lull you to sleep because everything is good and you don't need him. And you don't need him, and you kind of walk, and you get kind of lackadaisical, lackadaisical. You're riding that little horse that he's got you on. Everything's good. And then he cuts the legs out from under you. It comes in a number of different ways. So that's why it's important for us to know that you are in a spiritual battle. We talked about a couple, three weeks ago. This is not a hurricane watch. This is a hurricane warning. The conditions are going to happen in the near future if they're not happening right now. So check this out. We started this last week, and, um, and, and this is kind of the synopsis of Ephesians. When you take your spiritual wealth, and in chapters 1 through 3 of Ephesians, how many of y'all like my new bucket? I got a new bucket from last week, right? All right? I, I figured, man, Jesus need a, bigger, need a better bucket to be represented by. <clears throat> Plus, I needed a new muck bucket. But anyways, um, but uh, this is your spiritual wealth, man. God, we are told in Ephesians chapters 1 through 3 that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. We've been told that, man, there is a spigot in heaven that, that it has access to everything. And the spigot has a hose called the Holy Spirit that connects to us, to, uh, us to God. And Christ is the connector that connects it, and it can never be taken away. And anything we need that's available in heaven is available to us. Is there anything you need that's not in heaven? Anything you could possibly need, it's there. And so, again, we have all spiritual blessings that we could ever have. And if we take those spiritual blessings and then we do what's in Ephesians 4 and 5 and we walk in those spiritual blessings, we're in it. Again, we talked last week. That's kind of narrow, man. I want to go out here. I want to go out here. But he says here, this is where I want you to walk. I want you to walk in my spiritual blessings. And when you read chapters 4 and 5 again, especially chapters 5, that's where he says, Oh, wives, submit to your husbands. Employees, submit to your employers. Children, obey your parents. And again, we learned, we spent weeks on that learning. It wasn't what the world teaches us it is. What it means is that God's got a mission for us. Our life is a mission. Y'all are going to Dominican Republic on a mission trip. You are here today on a mission trip. 
Yeah, hey, uh, when you go to school tomorrow, how many, how, are you going to be on a mission trip? Yeah, back over here. Over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're going to be on a mission trip? Who else? Gavin. Gavin, man, are you on a mission trip and you're trying to work on all these houses you got and all this stuff? Yeah. Are you on a mission trip trying to take care of Gavin? Yes. I'm just saying, but the, literally, <coughs> we have a mission to represent Christ. He's brought us here. And so submission means just simply lining up under the mission always. When are you on mission, y'all? Mary, when are you on mission? Only when Coast Guard comes? No. In fact, on that boat, man, I told everybody, hey, we had a lot of different type A personality, leadership, and I, that Coast Guard is kind of pulling up nice, and I was like, I was like all right, nobody say anything. And I, I was talking mostly to me, all right? <laughs> nobody say anything. She's the captain. And, and it worked out perfect, man, you know, because all we needed was somebody like, hey, what are you stopping us for, whatever. But anyways, all right, I don't even know where we got off on that, but <clears throat> God has a mission. We're always on mission. We're always on mission, man. Uh, he's not wasting any part of our life. Back in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, when he goes in and says, man, you weren't saved. You, you didn't do anything for your salvation. You were saved by grace and faith and, and not of your own, so you couldn't boast. And he's prepared good works from, from eternity for you. Every moment's an opportunity for good works. Remember that when you're driving that old RV you just bought that you're like, Convincing yourself, yeah, we bought an old classic. It's better. And I hope it makes it to Vermont, brother. I'm just going, hey, we all commit to praying that their old RV makes it to Vermont. No, but it's, it's sound, bro. But in that, you break down, dude. Who hooked that up? Who hooked it up if you do break down? Let me hear you. Let me hear you. Okay, God, I know you got a mouthful. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, God. God hooks it all up. That's part of your mission. And, and again, so everything in life, it's like a two-sided coin. It's like God wants, hooks things up because he wants us to trust him and he wants glory. Satan, he wants us to not trust God and trust anybody but God. So God does the testing, the devil does the tempting, and we do the trusting. Y'all remember that? God does, help me out with that again, just so you remember. God does the testing, the devil does the tempting, and we do the what? I know that's not good grammar, y'all, but you can remember that. One more time. Uh, uh, you got it, Chris? God does the? Okay. Uh, the devil does the? Help me out. Tempting. And what do we do, man? Uh, JT, what do we do? We do the trusting. And that's all it is, is trusting God. And so that's what this armor is. That's what everything, that's what he teaches us in Ephesians 4 and 5. He says, look, man, he said, instead of living for yourself, you're living for God. Instead of being selfish and thinking about you and taking care of number one, be selfless and make it about others. It's everything that's contrary to this universe. So Ephesians 1 through 3 says, man, you have got all spiritual blessings. You have spiritual wealth. Now walk in that. And don't walk outside of it. Don't try to walk in it and walk out of it. Man, walk in it. Stay in it. And you find any part of you out of it. Get back in because he says if you have your spiritual wealth and you walk in it, you will encounter spiritual what? What's the last part? You will encounter spiritual warfare. The minute you live for Jesus, every moment you're living for Jesus, there's someone that doesn't like that. Again, uh, who is God's biggest enemy? Satan, right? If Satan is God's biggest enemy. Can Satan do anything to God? No. Who can he do stuff to? Us. And... God loves us very much. So the only way he can attack God is through us. That's why he says here, man, you have spiritual wealth, walk in it, 
and know you're going to encounter spiritual warfare, but I'm going to give you the weapons to use in this. And it's more than just a little play for kids in a church, more than a Halloween costume, more than a little diagram. It's something that we've got to be doing all the time. Because what happens, JT, the Eagles play today. <coughs> You're a big Eagles fan, right? They play today. Man, what, what happens, what happens if, uh, if one of the players forgets a piece of armor, a big piece of equipment? Where's the, where's the, the opposition going to hit them? Right in that place, man. They seem without a helmet, dude. Oh, no, rush free stop. But I'm just saying, in your life, wherever you are vulnerable, whatever part of you is not in God, whatever part of you decides to venture out, that's the part that's going to get attacked. So stay in the bucket and the whole bucket. All right, so take this. Look at this. So let the Lord make you strong with his unlimited reservoir of might by continuing to walk in your spiritual wealth. Look at the very, we went over this last week. I'm not going to go over it a lot. So he says, finally, because you have spiritual wealth, because you're walking it, and there is going to be warfare, he said, be strong, right? Be strong, all right? Let me see your pump. Everybody, rah, right? Be strong, okay? Dude, what's the enemy going to do with that? You're standing outside this bucket going, oh, woo, oh, you know, what's the enemy going to do? It's going to blow you up because you are nothing compared to the enemy. But greater is he that's in us than that he's in the world. So that's why he says, be strong. Don't, don't be taking scripture out of context. That's why it's important to read the whole scripture and understand the whole context. Because someone could say, oh, be strong. All right, as soon as I'm strong, okay, then I'll go to the next part. <clears throat> All right, so here you are, <clears throat> trying to be strong, trying to be strong. I'm being strong. You're getting blown down. You're getting blown down. And then you decide you're going to read the next part. Be strong in what, Fernanda? The Lord. Oh, I wish I would have read that to begin with. That's why we read all of Scripture. That's why we read Scripture in context. That's why we don't take pieces of it. you got to know what the entire Word says. You take the whole Word and study the whole Word, not just pieces of it. So if he says, be strong in the Lord. So where's our strength coming from, Sean? From the Lord. And in the strength of his, what Chuck, in the strength of his might and how mighty is God? Almighty. So if he's almighty, he's got how much might? And if he's got all the might, how much you got? None. Right? Y'all realize that you got no might when it comes to this fight. And I'm not trying to rap or anything. All right. So I, I, I just won't be good at that. But literally, when it comes to this fight, you got no might. He is almighty. So that's why he says, finally, be strong in the Lord. Okay. In the Lord. Help me out, God. I'm out. No. He said, get in me when you were born again, positionally, you were in him. Practically speaking, you've got to stay in him. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his mind. You know what your spiritual wealth is? When we start talking about spiritual wealth, I've heard so many people take that so out of context. In the Ephesians, when it starts out, oh, you have all spiritual blessings and all spiritual wealth. I didn't even know what it meant when I first started studying in Ephesians. Oh, that means that you know, oh, I, I'll have this, I can count on to bless me with this material thing, or this thing, or this thing, or whatever. You know what your spiritual wealth is? Look at the very last word in this. I'll tell you what your spiritual worth, wealth is. Look at the very last word in this, in this verse. What is the last word? Might. His might. That is your spiritual wealth. His might. What do you need? Benjamin, do you need anything other than God's might? Is there anything you could possibly need that's not produced in his might? No, emotionally. Hey, Kelly, does he ever need anything emotional? He's a big tough, you know, but he's really a teddy bear, isn't he? Don't you have to, like, pat him on the back? Oh, it's going to be okay, Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> emotionally, mentally, 
Mentally, how many of y'all could use some mental might? <laughs> yeah, y'all are a bunch of mental cases, just like me, right? We need some mental might. We need emotional might. We need, we're like physical might, especially as we get older, don't we? <laughs> Tiny and them, they're tired out. I ain't going to be one of them old men to complain. I said, oh, yes, you will, because I said I wasn't going to be either. Dude, I used to wonder why old people walk funny, man. Y'all ever wonder that? Why old people walk funny? And then I became one. And I'm like, oh, dang. It's like, y'all be careful what y'all say, man. Y'all be careful on that. But I could use some physical might. I could use some mental might, some emotional might. But most of all, spiritual might. And if he's almighty, he's got all the might. So if I want any might, Jordan, where do I got to be? Where do I got to be? I got to be in him. Anything I try to do outside of him is is no, there's no might in it. Is mightless a word? <laughs> it's mightless. Y'all think about that one. Give me a better word for it. What's, Emily, what's a better word? All right, mightless, all right? Y'all, yeah. everybody say that. I am mightless. <laughs> there, I got y'all to contribute in bad vocabulary. All right, I'm mightless. He's almighty, all powerful. We're powerless. Yes, there you go. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He's got all the might. Be strong in there. We went over that last week. Some of y'all are like, yeah, but some of y'all weren't here. So I got, I, got, I got to go over it a little bit. So the next part is knowing this, knowing that the armor is all or nothing. Armor's all or nothing. Again, if here I am, I'm in God's armor with my right leg, but I ain't with my left leg. Kenneth, which one's going to get attacked, bro? Yeah. Hey, you go, you're hunting, right? All right. You're looking for a clean shot. But you've been out there all day waiting, 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 and there ain't a clean shot. And all of a sudden, man, you got one little spot right there in the vitals, right between the trees <laughs> with your bow, right? What part are you going to shoot? The part that ain't protected by the trees, right? I'm just saying. And you're just a wimpy little hunter, dude. God is almighty God, and Satan is an enemy that's trying to be like God. He's like a roaring lion seeking to devour us. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Any peace that you leave uncovered, you leave vulnerable, it's going to get hit by the enemy. That's why God says, I want you to be in me. Hey, let me ask you a question. Is it a good thing to be in God, Laura? Is there any? Yeah, there's nothing bad about it. Yeah, sometimes it's tough in there, but you look back and it's all worth it. It's better than it. I wouldn't trade a single moment that I had for 26 years prior to getting saved for anything, my best moment, anything I had prior to getting saved for any moment I've had while I've been saved. Amen? Yeah. Know that this armor's all or nothing. <coughs> you will suffer severe defeat without it, but you're going to be undefeated with it. Look at real quick. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this again. Put on the what? How much armor? Yeah. Salma, how much armor you got put on? The whole armor, man. You're, you're, you're coxswain, those boys, you know. How much of the ore you want them to put in the water? All of it. All the part that makes ore. Yeah, yeah. What if, what if you got some guy doing this with love? Man, what, are you, what are you going to say to him? Are you going to say something to him? What are you going to say? Get your ore in the water, right? Put the whole thing in. Get maximum performance as a vehicle God gave you to live life in. Put it all in, Right? It doesn't work with half of it. Put on the whole armor of God. And by the way, whose armor is it again? 
God's, it's not your armor, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And again, that word schemes, some of, uh, it's the methods. It's the Greek word method. The devil has a specific plan for you, bro. He knows how, hey, does he know how to get under your skin? Uh, yeah, it, it, imagine how good the devil knows how to get under your skin and how good he can motivate him to get under your skin. Uh, you know, how many of y'all know something get under your skin? Oh, Keone and Alana, do brother and sister, man. Y'all remember sibling rivalries? He's just like, oh, 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 you know, they're getting under each other's skin. And I said, you know, that's, that's on purpose. God does that. Because right now, you're going to meet other people just like Alana in life. And if you don't learn how to get along with them now under the referee of a parent, then you will have this problem your entire life. So learn how to, you know, get that. But we don't fight against flesh and blood. We, we don't fight against it. We're fighting against people who are being used by the devil. So, yeah, how many of y'all, how many of y'all ever fought against somebody who's being used by the devil? Yeah. How many of y'all, how many of y'all saw that this morning with your own family? I'm just, I'm just <laughs> your own wife, your own husband. Literally, anytime we're being selfish instead of selfless, who are we empowered by? Satan. We're, we're representing him. We're not representing God. Anytime it's all about me and not about God which is about you, guess what? Guess who you represent? In other words, we're not fighting against people. We're fighting against, we have three enemies we talked about. We do have Satan, but he created this world system that is so anti-God, and God allowed him to create that, and God's going to destroy it. We're studying that in Revelations, getting ready to in chapter 6 tomorrow night. And so there's this world system that feeds our flesh. It feeds our flesh. So there's our enemy, and that's who we're fighting against. And he's got a complicated system. Look at this. He said, you got to stand against the particular schemes. Hey, do you think the devil has particular schemes for you guys against your marriage? Yeah, ways that he can get in that he knows unique to you and unique to you. Yeah, how many of y'all know God, the devil's got schemes against your marriage? How many of y'all don't even want to raise your hand and say that he does? You know, you're like, oh, I raised my hand. I ain't getting that elbow from my wife. Our, 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 our life's perfect. We all are a bunch of liars, man. Y'all need to get right with God. You don't ever fight. You ain't never alone. You're never with each other. I'm just saying. <laughs> One of y'all just knows to keep your mouth shut, and then it don't sound like a fight, right? <laughs> Ken's smiling, dude. Y'all been married how long now? Yeah. Yeah, you're a smart man. Don't say nothing right now. <laughs> don't say nothing. But anyways, put on the whole armor of God that you'll be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Look at this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers, present of this present darkness. There it is. Satan, all he wants us to know here is Satan has a military. He has got a very detailed, very organized, very effective army to fight against you. But greater is the one that lives in us than that lives in the world. So when I'm out here, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to get nailed. I'm going to, I'm going to be, he's going to steal, kill, and destroy things in my life. If I'm like this, what's he going to do? I'm going to have, he's going to steal, kill, and destroy things on this part of me. But if I'm in here, what's going to happen? No, anything that happens is going to teach me how to trust God. And I'm going to fall more in love with God. And then I fall more in love with God. I'm going to fall more in love with y'all and be able to tell you what God has done. And that's the plan he has. We don't fight against uh, flesh and blood, but we do fight. Look what it says. We do wrestle. There is a battle going on. 
but against rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces. Your biggest enemies isn't the president of the condo association. Your biggest enemy is not. It is not that neighbor who's killing your property value. It is not the snowbirds on the road that have Florida license plates that are driving three abreast on a two-lane highway. Um, where there's nowhere to pass. You can't even pass in the bike lane because they're driving in that. I'm saying that's not your biggest enemy. Your enemy, biggest enemy is the enemy that you can't see. Look what he says. It's spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So you know what's happening? People who do not have Christ living in them, do they have a choice of who they can follow? No. We don't like to hear it. If you don't have Christ living in me, you are following Satan. You're like, well, I ain't a Satan worshiper. I ain't got all. No, that's all I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is you are not being led by God. All the devil's got to do is dangle the right bait in front of your face and use you any way he wants to use you. When you become a believer, you don't have to do that. But you're certainly able to, depending on whether you feed the flesh or you feed the spirit. You've got to feed the spirit. You feed the spirit and you don't have to succumb to the same things you had to succumb to when you were lost. Man, the battle's in heavenly places. It's a spiritual battle. That's why you need to stay in Christ positionally. And that's what the armor's going to teach us to do. He said, therefore, take up again. He, he comes again, take up the how much armor? Whole armor of God, not the armor of the politicians, not the armor of your favorite political party, not the armor of a military, not the armor of a, of a government, not the armor of a condo association, not the army of, 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 of a jurisdic, ju, uh, judicial jurisdiction. Just Man, it's the army of God, the armor of God, his armor, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So without it, you're going to fail miserably. With it, he says, you're going to be able to stand. No matter what comes against you, you will be able to stand. And he says, in the evil day, and that's every day since the fall of man. You understand the fall of man in the Garden of Eden? Y'all remember what God said? You can eat everything you want except this. And what was it they couldn't eat off of, Emily? The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Thank you. I was you know, trying to read between there. The knowledge of good and evil. Before, uh, we've talked about this before a lot, but before they had that choice, before they ate of that, after eating, they were going to have the knowledge of good and evil. But before they ate it, what did they have the knowledge of? Yeah, good. Good. So what did they gain by blowing off God's word? The knowledge of evil? <laughs> That's what, guess what? That's what they got. How many of y'all are like, dude, I really wish I didn't know evil. <clears throat> I really wish I only knew good. Wouldn't that have been cool if it stayed that way? That's the way it will be again in the millennial kingdom. That's the way it will be again when you have a glorified body, and I'm looking at y'all, including me, and we don't have it yet, all right? <laughs> How many of y'all agree you ain't got a glorified body yet? How many of y'all are praying to God this is not what a glorified body is, <laughs> right? Yeah, all right. So, but again, in the garden, all they knew was good. Oh, this is great. This is awesome. This is wonderful. Don't eat off that tree. Their eyes were open to see good and evil. So now they had to make a choice. Between everything, well, is Stephen good or is he evil? Have you ever had to make a choice about a person and you thought they were good and they were evil? Oh, yeah, yeah, we made that choice. People made that choice about me before, especially before I got saved, right? 
And what I'm saying is, how many of y'all have ever made bad choices? And it, there's consequences with bad choices. Don't things get messed up every time we make a bad choice? So how many things have you messed up in your lifetime because of bad choices? How messed up is your life because of bad choices? How messed up is the world because of bad choices since Adam and Eve? Dude, that's why the earth is groaning. Please, Jesus, fix it. Make it back the way it used to be. So all oh, restore it and restore it so nobody can mess it up again. Man, that's, that's what the problem was. We make these choices, and you're going to make better choices as you stay in here and you live for God. When you get out here, the world's got a plethora. That's a real word, ain't it? Plethora. Woo, man, y'all heard that word I just used? Man. No, I'm just saying, a plethora. That's a whole bunch, I think. But a plethora of choices for you. I mean, how many of y'all ever had an issue and you've had all kinds of people come to you and give you advice, right? And it was free, too. And it was worth it. I'm just saying. From a number of sources. Dude. And it's, it's, some of it might be good. Some of it might not be good. But the fact is, is that, man, when you're in here and you're getting your info and you're getting your advice from God, it's good stuff. And you can make good choices. So often we get out from God thinking we're doing what he wants us doing. We've got to have that intimacy with him. And he guards us and protects us. So therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you'll be able to withstand in the evil day. So ever since the fall of man, Man has had to make a choice about good and evil. And man, how many of y'all would say you make better, more good decisions than bad decisions? How many of y'all say y'all make more bad decisions than good ones? And you have to learn the hard way. Anybody? Yeah. Yeah, that's it's indicative, right? You make more, yeah, we gotta learn the hard way, or we learn from other people's mistakes. Hopefully we learn and we're not like the guy in Proverbs. He says, What does he say? As a dog returns to his vomit, a fool returns to his folly, you know? But so the days are evil. Because there's so many choices out there that are wrong. And he said, having done all to stand, man, stand firm. Because even when you're standing for God, someone's trying to knock you out. The enemy's still even trying to knock you out of here so that he can attack whatever's on the outside of it. So here's what I want you guys to remember in this. We didn't really kind of get to this last week too much. It was in my outline. But you're not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Do you realize on the cross that Jesus Christ, he conquered Satan? Y'all understand that? How many of y'all believe he conquered Satan? Yeah. Satan thought he won, dude. Oh, he's dead. He won. He's been trying to kill him since he was two. He's been trying to kill him since the garden, man. He's been trying to mess things up. And he's even trying to mess up his second coming. Satan, that's all he tries to do. He thought he killed him. He thought he was over. But Christ conquered. And you don't go read the entire New Testament and you will see Christ conquered Satan. Satan can't do anything without God's permission. You get that? So he conquered Satan. He conquered this world, we're told. And you go read that in the New Testament, too. He conquered the world. And when you're born, he's conquered your flesh when you became born again. So our three enemies we have, the world system, Satan, and the flesh that loves to suck into this world system, he conquered all three. But the only way we can be conquerors in him is if we're in him. Positionally, we're there, but practically with every decision we make, we stay in him. Because the minute we come out here is the minute we do it partially our way or partially his way. And that's the way that loses.
we got to make it a point. You're not fighting for victory. Oh, I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to win. Dude, if you stay in him, you already won it. He's conquered all three already. You already won. Just dig the victory. Stay in the bucket, man. And that's what we were talking about last week. So what does this armor look like and how do we use it? We're going to look at the first three pieces today. First of all, we have the belt of truth. And the belt of truth is, is simply to make a commitment. That's really what it's about. I'm looking for some. Anybody wearing a tunic today? <clears throat> Nobody's wearing a tunic, man. Uh, Tiny, I, I, I sew for you and Skylar. I sew, man. Weeks ago when I was thinking about this, I was thinking of getting sheets and making y'all tunics and using y'all as examples and all this. But y'all probably seen, probably seen. <laughs> yeah, God, yeah, there's king size sheets, man. We're good. But yeah, God, God, God did not give me permission to do that. So I stayed in the bucket and you're not up here wearing sheets, y'all. Are y'all glad? All right, good. So, but, but listen, man, so here's the concept of, of the whole, the context of it. The Apostle Paul, where's he writing the book of Ephesians from, y'all? Jail. And, and in jail, who's he got surrounding him, chained to him? Yeah, so he's sitting in jail, and he's, he's got prison, he's got the guards around him, and he's like, who's he thinking about? God. And then that's causing him to think about others. And he's like looking at what they're wearing, saying, oh. Oh my goodness, this is like what God has given me. This is the armor God has given me. If you were in jail chained to four soldiers for something you didn't, for preaching the gospel, how many of y'all have a bad attitude instead of finding messages to relate to people about God? He's there, he's like, oh, this is awesome. Look what these guys are wearing. This reminds me of how I can fight my spiritual battles, how I can do all of this. So the soldiers wore a tunic, all right? My mom, back in the day, wore a moo-moo, man. That's what you wore in Florida back in the day. You wore a moo-moo, you know. That's for air conditioning. Anybody know what a moo-moo is? Yeah, a moo-moo and a babushka. There's a babushka right there, right, right, Jules? All right. She got the babushka going on. But, but so y'all know what a moo-moo is, right? It's a big old, big old open dress, you know. It's like, it's like your dress only four times that size, right? Yeah. Yeah, so on me, man, it would look like spandex, so I'm just saying. So. But on me, I'm just saying, it, yeah, yeah, no, because I'm filling it out, babe. But I'm just saying, if you, you had like a quadruple extra large, big old giant moo-moo, that's kind of what, what the soldiers wore. So, Gary, if you had a giant moo-moo on, <laughs> you had a big old giant moo-moo on, and somebody picked a fight with you, and they had a big old giant moo-moo on. Can you all imagine two big men fighting in a giant moo-moo, y'all? <laughs> Well, what, what would happen if you're all fighting in a moo-moo? <laughs> yeah, you become one giant moo-moo. It's like, first of all, if, even if you decided you wanted to run, how fast can you literally run in a long giant moo-moo, man, without you getting tripped up? That moo-moo's getting in the way, but it was comfortable to lounge around in, right? You couldn't fight, man, because I'm just telling you what. I grew up in Pine Hills, and there were no rules in fighting back then. We didn't have guns. We just hit people two-by-fours and got hit with them, stuff like that. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, big guys like you, oh, dude, I'd have had you guys chasing me. And right as you were full speed, I'd have hit the deck. Y'all would have tripped over me, and I'd have run the other way, man. That was my tactic, all right? And, and then later, y'all would catch me and beat the snot out of me, all right? But, but man, I'm just saying... You know, if I was fighting at somebody else in a moo-moo and I'm in a moo-moo, you know what my first goal would be? What was your first goal to be if they got a big old loose moo-moo on? Dude, I'm going to rip your moo-moo off, man. I'm going to grab your moo-moo and I'm going to wrap it around you. I'm going to strangle you with your moo-moo. I'm going to use it against you. 
that Gavin's like, yeah, I don't know, man. We didn't do that in California, man. But, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm just saying the big moo-moo gets in the way of running. It gets, how many of y'all think the big moo-moo? Y'all see what I'm saying? It gets in the way of fighting. It gets in the way of running and all that. So what are you going to do with your big giant moo-moo if that's standard equipment for a soldier? You're going to put a belt on. You had this big, thick leather belt that even had a sash on it. And on that would be holsters for all your weapons and different things. But you put that belt on. And then you would take the corners and you would tuck those corners up underneath there. Y'all seen the pictures of the gladiator stuff, right? They had these little, it wasn't a moo-moo, dude. It was now like a, like a puffy skirt at the bottom, but at least your legs could run, right? And then have swords and they'd have hammers and they'd have all kinds of weapons, but everything was tucked in that belt. So as he's looking at them, as he's looking at watching these soldiers, he's saying, man, that belt carries all the way. That belt's the key to everything. In fact, if you wanted to hurt, you wanted to mess it up, all you had to do is release that belt. The moo-moo's now free, and that dude can't catch you in a big old moo-moo. <laughs> you can outrun him. But everything was tucked in. It's what holds everything together. And what would happen, Mary, if somebody walked up to you and just went, what would, what would you think? What do you think they want to do? Yeah, you're not even good at this. I got to find a redneck here somewhere. I'm just like, no, no, no. Literally, somebody comes up to you, Chuck, you're out in the water, man. And somebody comes up to you and they're, and they grab your board. And what do you have to assume they want to do? They want to start some trouble, right? And in order, and what do you have to do now? You got to kind of either defend yourself or fight back. But so you know what I'm saying? When you tuck up, when you're tucked up under your belt, when you're lounging around a moo-moo, anybody, is that intimidating to anybody? No. And I fear most Christians are lounging around in a moo-moo right now going, oh, they're doing sacred dance in their moo-moo. Oh, worshiping God and not living for him. This says when you tuck it up underneath, it's like putting your dukes up. It's like I'm ready to go to battle. Because otherwise you wouldn't have it all tucked up. You'd be lounging around in your moo-moo, man. It's ready to go to battle. You have made a commitment to go to battle now. So in this, he said, the belt of, now this belt, okay, we got a big moo-moo we talked about, but I had a big leather belt. What does that represent? The belt of what? The belt of what, y'all? Truth. So what holds everything together in your spiritual armor? I'll give you a hint. begins with T, ends in R-U-T-H. What is it? Truth. Truth. It's a commitment to the truth. That truth holds everything together. So if Satan can get lies in the church, if he can get lies into us, if he can get lies into the world, if he can take away the truth, man, you got nothing to hold your armor together with. You know that? But if you're going to make a commitment to the truth, here's what it means. Literally, you wake up, you find yourself, it might even be you're at Crawdaddy's, man, and and, and something happens. It might be in the street. Something happens. You find yourself where you're just lounging around a big old spiritual moo-moo. And you realize you need to, you're in battle. What it means is, God, in this situation right here, I am committing to living in the truth. I am making a commitment from this point. I just caught myself out here doing something I didn't want to do. I just caught myself, you know, getting lured out. Caught myself voluntarily. Whenever you catch yourself, and it's a great way to start the day. How many of y'all ever catch yourself during the day? You know, how many of you have been caught by somebody else? They're like, well, that isn't very godlike. <laughs> wow, and you have a driftwood shirt on. <laughs> well, I didn't think pastors acted that way. <laughs> well, yeah, they did. No, I'm just. 
Literally, you ever caught yourself doing non-Christian things, acting non-Christian ways? You find yourself there, that's when you jump back in the bucket and you say, you know what, from this point on, Fernanda, how easy is it to get sucked into a, you're in the bucket, I made a commitment on my drive, I'm going to stay in the bucket. But then one conversation after another, after another, it's like, oh no, oh no, they did not do I'm getting out of the bucket, and I'm going to give them a piece of my mind that I can't afford to lose, and I'm going to get right back in the bucket. You ever done that? So let me ask you a question. What's going to happen when that no-holds-barred moment comes where you're getting out of the bucket? What happens now? Say You're under attack, and you know what? Satan already won because you just blew your testimony. It is won. You blew your testimony. You got to stay in the bucket and say, God, how do you want to deal with this? Because you can read a whole Old Testament, a New Testament, on how God dealt with battles and how he did things in such a way that nobody lost their testimony. And God got the glory. God did supernatural things that, that there was no other explanation for. So what this means, the belt of truth, that's where the armor starts. It means whenever you catch yourself out of the bucket, out of the bucket of his might, you make the commitment. And you say, God, I commit myself to the truth. I want to live according to the truth. But Kristen, in order to live according to truth, what what do I got to know? Yeah, I got to know the truth, right? And, and, oh, well, I go to church on Sunday and I listen to Pastor Hour for, uh, Pastor Pastor Hour. (laughs) That's my new name, man. (laughs) Pastor Hour for Eddie Minutes. No, it's like, it's all interchangeable, but. Yeah, dude, I get a whole dose there that I'm trying to digest, man, for this long. No. If you're committed to something, how many of y'all have an obsessive behavior like me? When you get into something, you get into it. Yeah. Dude, yeah. How many disc golf discs do I have? And can I tell you what each one of these do? In the wind, out of the wind, and I'm still learning. Kenneth, I think you have that same behavior, man. You, you know, you got into hunting, bow hunting, and different hunting. Man, do you know, I watch your posts, man. That's your idea. Everything you know, you, you learn. Same thing with being an electrician. You learn everything about it because you're committed to that, right? When you're committed to, are you committed to, to, to rowing? To being the coxswain? Yeah. So you, did you just have, did you have to learn it or did it all come natural? Oh, she's a natural coxswain. Just throw her in there and let her go. You were, because you are a bossy and can tell people what to do, right? In a good way. And they love doing it. But have you had to learn anything? Did you have to study things? You know? Y'all remember Cool Runnings, y'all? Anybody remember that movie Cool? You remember Doris? He's going to be the captain. Doris! <laughs> and, and, and he'd always come, oh, well, that's what the Swiss do. That's what the Swiss do. And then the, we don't care about the Swiss. But the fact is, is that he was committed. When you're committed to something, you learn about it. You love it. You're dedicated to it. So if you're going to commit yourself to the truth, where do we find the truth? Yeah, do we find that in a little snippet of God's word? Do we find it in a little devotion? Yeah, but do we find it? We find it from studying it. We find it, man, this is our battle book. I mean, how many of y'all, if you took all the words in the Bible took all the words in the Bible, and man, one of y'all, like, Bill Cup, this sounds like something you'd do. Find out how many words in the Bible, and I'll, you know, an average of all trailers. At some point, not today. Finish listening here today. But <laughs> I don't need it by the end of the service. Later, on your own time. <laughs> but uh, 
Find out how many words are in the Bible. And then go, how many of y'all think that you have read that many words in another book? You've listened to that many words on a TV show or a documentary. You, you've shared that many words on social media. <laughs> what I'm saying is, how many of y'all think that you, I have an accounting degree. Y'all believe that? I do. <laughs> it was the most masochistic thing I ever did. Thought I'd need to know how to manage all the money I'd make as a pro baseball player until I realized I was too short and too slow and it wasn't going to happen and I was too stubborn to quit. <laughs> but in that, I remember going home and having to read 300 pages. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I mean, how many of y'all ever read books? You're, you're a contractor, right? Did you have to read some thick books? Yeah, and then be tested on it? How many of y'all have read books bigger than the Bible? Anybody? Yeah. But yet we look at the Bible and it's like, how much have we actually read in the Bible? And what's more valuable? Yeah, that may seem more pertinent in the world, but when you make a commitment to live in the truth, how can you commit to living in the truth if you don't know what it is? And I'm not talking about books about the Bible, because that's another way Satan deceives people. I'm not saying all the books are wrong and all that, but you're going to get a, a lot. All books are people's opinions they wrote down. I'm just saying you go dig into the Bible yourself and read it over and over and over and over again. How long can it take? to continually read it, but how long does it take to just buzz through it and buzz through it and buzz through it and buzz through it and read it? This is what our problem is, is we, we, we treat it like, like that first verse, be strong. Oh, okay, well, I'm going to read. What does it mean to be strong? Oh, and then we try it out, and then we find out it means be strong in the Lord. Read the whole thing. It's a big book. Read it, and you get the big picture. Before you ever preach on one verse or you share, you think you understand one verse, you got to know what that whole section is. You got to know what that whole chapter is. You got to know what that whole book was written about, what that whole testament was written about, and what the entire Bible's about. You got to read the whole thing. And you got to read little pieces. But in our society, we've been so trained by entertaining preaching and entertainment that it's like a little mini series, a little documentary. And many people have never read the whole Bible. You understand the whole Bible? It's not about you. It's about God. You cut the Bible anywhere, it bleeds. It's about Christ. It's one big picture. And if you don't understand that big picture, then when you read all these little pieces, you read them wrong. you got to just read it and, and give yourself permission to read and not stop when you don't understand something. Because let me ask you a question. Who's the author of the Bible? Barbara, who's the author of the Bible? God is. And where does God live? In you. The Holy Spirit lives in you, the author. So you're at a book signing and the author's, you're sitting there reading and the author's right there with you. You have permission to just read and read till God tells you to stop and read, maybe read the whole thing and then tell God what you got out of it. But we stop every time we don't understand something and I think sometimes the devil uses that. There is a time for individual study. There's another time where you just read the whole thing. And you understand the big picture. How many of y'all, when y'all send a letter or an email, uh, April, you ever send an email out to somebody and you carefully put the words in there so you're not misunderstood? How much of that email do you want them to read? When they first even look at it, how much do you want them to read? Do you want them to pick out the first word, the second word, the first paragraphs? Or do you want, what do you guys do when you read an email? 
or a letter. You get one from your company, a corporate-wide email. What do you do? You read the first paragraph and then like make decisions based on that? No, that's a foolish way to do things. But that's what we do with the Word of God. You read the whole thing. Then if you've got confusion about stuff, you go back and you look at the details. And I'm not saying that we don't look. I'm just saying that what we're missing in Scripture, why we don't know the truth, is because we're afraid of the Bible. I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be honest with you. 2014, when I found myself in a sabbatical, I'd been a pastor since 1988, whenever, 89, however long that had been, and it was 2014. And I'm like, what do I do now, God? He's like, well, I want you to treat these three months like a sabbatical. You've worked hard and you've never had one. I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what a sabbatical is. I said, what do I do? He said, I want you to spend large quantities of time in my word. I was like, I'm allowed to do that? <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? And I hung up a hammock at the state park right there at Dynamite Point where we go paddleboarding. And I opened, I, put, I opened up the word of God and I read the Bible for six, seven hours a day. I surfed beforehand, did something, but I read the Bible for that long. I had never spent that long reading the entire Bible. He gave me permission to read and start. I'll never forget one day I read Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, I'm getting there, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. I read all of that, and I'm kind of, well, how long do you want me to read? And God just said, keep reading. Keep reading until I stop you. And he stopped me after Ruth, and I'm like, now what? And he says, well, what'd you get out of all this? And I was like, well, you have asked a lot of people in history to do some crazy things <laughs> that make absolutely no sense to anybody else in the universe. And in fact, the universe even looks at what they did and would say they're a total failure. But yet you wrote about them and to you, they're, you're a total success. But I wouldn't have seen that if I read a little snippet, if I had a little devotion I, I had to read all those books to, for him to show me all those illustrations of, of all those things. And, and, and I said, yeah, so you've asked people to do crazy things that they thought were failure, but to you, they were a success. And you know what he said to me? Not audibly, but in my heart, he said, you ready to do the same thing? <laughs> I was like, okay, I don't know what that means. And Driftwood is it. It started. That's how it started. That was part of the roots. So again, man, this belt of truth is more than, oh, I'm going to live by all my Bible verses that I know. I'm going to live by all my... No, it's a commitment like you make to anything else. You have a law degree, right? Did you ever have to read any big books? And then you graduated and didn't have to read any more ever again, right? No, with every case you had to read Bible. Did you have to commit yourself to each case you were in? Yeah. Every, almost everything we do. Ben, you're building some playground. I, I got some er erroneous text from him about, well, I don't think there's enough volunteers and these blueprints aren't very good or something. I just remember, yeah. Something was, uh, dude, you got us, everything you go to do, you study. You got you to put, put a commitment into it to learn in it. You did for your job. You do for everything. You commit to it. But yet to this, often, it's like whatever I get out of Sunday if I have to go or a Bible study, or this. And I'm not saying there's not people study, but I'm challenging y'all. Just start reading God's Word. Just start reading it. And don't stop every time you don't understand something. Man, can you imagine if you understood the whole Bible and had applications for every part of it? You'd go nuts. 
Maybe God wants you to have a big picture. And that's what he wants to show you. But if you never read it, you don't know the truth. So he says to build a truth, you make a commitment. You make a commitment. You're tucking your big old muumuu up under your belt so that now you can fight. You're making a commitment. You're saying, now I'm going to fight. Hey, Tiny, if somebody comes and attacks you, they come at you, are you just going to stand there? No, what are you going to do? Yeah, you're going to fight back, right? So when you make a commitment to stand for the truth, guess what the enemy's going to do? He's going to fight back. Once you put your dukes up to him, he's fighting back, and you're going to receive opposition. And so once you receive opposition, guess what most people do? Oh, okay, I'm backing off. And I'm going to go live my level of mediocrity again. When in reality, if we go and we take the fight, we watch God win the battle, and we move on to the next. Next time a battle like that comes, we don't have to even worry about it, right? So again, I want you to think about this. The belt of truth is a commitment to the truth. And if you don't know the truth, how can you commit to it? And I didn't say how long you've been a Christian. Trisha, when, you've been reading the Bible now, right? Have you learned anything? When? Whenever you open it, yeah. And I don't care how long you've been reading it. It's fresh, it's relevant, it's alive. And every time you open it, you'll learn more. Let God teach you. Because you need to know the truth. Because here's how the devil lures you out. He lures you out with a lie, and you're like, well, that sort of sounds like the truth. And we get out, and, and you're like, oh, that wasn't it. You got, I mean, you know what his one name is? His one name is Deceiver. So how good is he at that? JT, if your, name, if your nickname was, if his nickname was Deceiver, what would I expect he'd be good at? being deceptful, right? So the devil's name is deceiver. You think he's good at deceiving you? And the only way to not be deceived is by knowing the truth. So you got to know the truth. You got to make a commitment truth by knowing it. Look at this next part real quick. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. He says, uh, uh, man, I didn't even know y'all couldn't see that scripture. Stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth. So there it is. You're making a commitment to the truth. Look at the next part. It's a breastplate of righteousness. You, you make a commitment. Any of y'all ever made a commitment to keep the truth? Any make a commitment? I'm going to do the right thing. I know when I go there, I know when I get to work, that person's going to be in my face, and I'm going to do the right thing. I know when I paddle out, there's going to be that person. I know that, I know that there's that customer. I know there's that con. I'm going to open the door, and there's that condo person. I know. Have you ever made a commitment and then reneged on that commitment? Anybody? Yeah, in fact, that's what we do a lot of times. That's why the second piece of armor is actually the breastplate that says, not only first part, make the commitment, but the second part says, keep the commitment. That's the second part. So we could just get this first two pieces of armor, we'd be in good shape. The breastplate of what's the, what is the breastplate of? Righteousness. The belt is truth. We got to make a commitment to the truth. But the breastplate is, is allowing us to do the thing that's righteous. You can talk all you want, make all the commitment you want, but you don't know until you actually face it whether you're actually going to do it. And that's the next part is to actually do it. The breastplate of righteousness, keep the commitment. And uh, so look what he says, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So a breastplate, Sam, breastplate, what's the cover, man? Okay, so it covers your vitals. It covers your heart, your, your heart, right? Your lung, it covers your guts. That's it right here. So symbolically, your heart and your guts, what do those represent? Your gut. Oh, 
I feel it in my gut. It's a gut feeling. Trust your gut. Now I sound like Dr. Flink. No, I'm just, but, but no, 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 seriously. Have you ever, have you, those are your emotions. Anybody ever had your emotions kind of hijack you before? How many of y'all are easily hijacked by your emotions? Come on. How many of y'all know somebody? How about this? How many of y'all know somebody that's hijacked by their emotions? You know, don't look at them. Don't, yeah. Because when they raise their hand, it could be looking in the mirror, right? Your gut, your emotions. What about your heart? What, what, what happens in your heart? Gavin, you ever have your heart set on something, dude? Woo. And it, if you have your heart set on something, everybody in the world can counsel you against it. Everybody in the world can give you all the opposition and tell you why not to. But if your heart's set on it, what's true, bro? Oh, you're getting it, dude. You're doing it. And it's not till later you're like, oh, how did I get into this? So is it important to have our heart protected and to have our emotions protected? In fact, what you're going to see in the armor of God, there, there's three things we continually protect. We're protecting our, uh, ourselves against our emotions. That's our feelings against our heart, which is our will of what we want, and against our thoughts, because our thoughts are the battlefield between God and the devil. That's why in Romans, it tells us to renew our mind constantly with the word of God. You see that repeated again next week. So here, we start out by making a commitment to the truth. I'm going to know what the truth is. I want to learn more about the truth. I want to understand the truth. I want, I am going to, so I can stay in the truth, and I'm going to make a commitment to stay in the truth. If you don't make a commitment, are you ever going to do anything? How many of y'all got a commitment to work? Y'all got a commitment at your job? Hey, bro, you got a commitment at your job. Are there some days if there was no commitment, it didn't matter that you would like stay home? Most days, right? It's like, unless it was something fun to do at work, right? So if you don't have a commitment, you're probably not going to do it. You got to make a commitment to stay in the truth. You got to make a commitment to know the truth. But once you make the commitment and know it, now you got to actually do it. And how many of you have ever had your emotions tear you up? I mean, tear you up, dude. I mean, we get physically sick from that. People get diarrhea. I just had to say that word in church once. But <laughs> literally, your emotions tear you up inside. Do they affect your will? Will the emotions, will emotions so tear you up that they affect what you actually want? You wanted something so bad and now emotionally you're torn up and you don't want it or you do want it and you know it's not the right thing. We got to protect ourselves. Uh, man, Jacob and Esau, y'all remember that story? Uh, Matthew, remember Jacob and Esau? Oh, Jacob was a shyster, man. Trying to catch his brother's heel on the way out of the womb. Always trying to get his brother's birthright. Well, his brother was out hunting one time, right? Oh, there you go, Ken. He's out hunting, man. You get hungry. You ever get hungry? Yeah, that's why you're shooting something, man, because you want to eat it. But you can't eat it right there. But I'm just saying, man, it's like he was hungry. Got in. He's all sweaty, nasty. And Jacob, the mama's boy, what was he doing, y'all? He was cooking, man. He's cooking some red bean soup. That's all he was cooking. It wasn't even nothing special, man. It was red bean soup. But Esau was like, oh, I am so hungry. I'm going to die if I don't get anything to eat. Anybody ever erroneously said that? Any of y'all wives ever heard that? <laughs> Anybody? I, I got girls. I'm the cook, and I got girls that get hangry, man. Like, so they're, in essence, they're like, I'm going to die. You're going to die if that. <laughs> <No. clears throat> but yeah, 
He's like, oh, man, <clears throat> I'm going to die if I don't get some red bean soup. And Jacob's like, huh, you're willing to do anything for this red bean soup because you've got reality messed up right here. You see what your emotions do? They mess up reality, don't they? Oh, was, was Esau really going to die if he didn't get any red bean soup? <laughs> no, he wasn't going to die. But did he feel like he was going to die? Oh, you better believe he felt like it because your emotions are real. The only thing they're going to go against your emotions is when you get in the bucket, that commitment to the truth, and you check your emotions against the truth. That's why modern theology that is the spoken word of God, what I feel it means, what I think it means, it's garbage. It's feeding off your emotions. We have the written word of God. You take it in context and it checks your emotions against the truth. And you're going to find out a lot of times your emotions need to be killed. You've got to crucify the flesh and put your emotions away. And you've got to do what God's word says. Because you can find all the support you want for people. Oh, yeah, I feel that way too. How many of y'all know y'all can call somebody and they feel just like you? You can call somebody and they'll jump right in on your pity party. Anybody y'all know that? It feels good. Oh, everybody, we must do this. <laughs> and then you're hijacked by your emotions, man. That's why you need to be around people that will help you see life from God's perspective. Because they'll say, have you checked what God's word said against that? I know what you're feeling. You think it's real, but here's what God's word says. Here's what God's word. This is what we got to really do, and I'll be here with you to do this, to go against that. So that breastplate protects your emotions, but it protects your heart. But when you got your heart set on something, when you got your heart set on the wrong thing, man, you'll go for it. And that could be anything from a relationship to a job to where you live, to what you think you want. Man, a lot of people in jail had their heart set on the wrong thing. <laughs> They're in jail for a long time for that. I'm just saying, we make a lot of bad decisions when we have our heart set on the wrong thing. Maybe an outcome. You understand whatever God does is right. Whatever God does, that's why we see life from God's perspective. It's not like, how can I get out of this? But God, what do you want me to get out of this? How are you making me more like you, and how are you going to get glory out of this situation? That's what the Word of God tells you to do with it. Your emotions and your will is like, oh, I'm going to fight, and I'm going to, I'm going to show that. I'm going to, I'm going to fix it. I'm going, to, I'm going to fix it. you got to get back in the bucket, and you got to let God's Word be that breastplate of righteousness. You're in the bucket. You know what God wants you to do. you got to fight against your emotions, and you fight against your heart. Oh, unmarried girls. <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, you're unmarried. Don't be looking at me that way. Y'all are unmarried too, man. And I'm just telling you, there's some creeps out there. And I ain't even looking at y'all, boy, because yeah, I'm, I'm just, <laughs> guys, there's some creep, there's some girl creeps out there. How many, pe how many people have messed up their life marrying somebody over emotions in their heart and you, and you see the mess? Why does an abused spouse keep going back? I'm just saying, I could go through all kinds of things that I've experienced in 30 years of past, 30 plus years of pastoring, where somebody lets their emotions and they let their heart control them. You got to let the Word of God control things, and it may break your heart. <laughs> it may make you even sicker, but I guarantee you, in the long run, you're going to win the victory that's in here. So first, you make the commitment. Second of all, you keep the commitment. 
A lot of people make commitments, but it's another thing to keep it. That's the breastplate of righteousness. You keep it. You fight against your emotions, your heart. And the next part, the last part that we'll look at today is you got to dig in. And it's, even though it's talking about shoes, it's really talking about your head. Watch this. In Ephesians 6.15, he said, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Hey, Scott, you, play, you, you ever play any sports, man? You look like a sports guy. What'd you play, man? A little bit of everything? Like, like what, did you play football? You play football? What'd you wear on your feet when you play football? Cleats. What are cleats, man? Are they like ballet slippers, man? They got like little, like, all smooth on the bottom? No, they, they got spikes on the bottom, right? They, it, and, and you know what? Now, have you noticed? Have you ever gone to a shoe store? Like, I don't obviously go to shoe stores very often, but, <clears throat> but have you noticed? You can just go on Amazon. I need shoes for a tiddlywink competition. <laughs> I need you. They have shoes for every, disc golf shoes. They have gym shoes. They have basketball shoes. They have shoes to watch basketball in. <laughs> they have shoes for football. You know, there's specialized shoes for everything, isn't there? Right? You ever notice that? Well, we got some specialized shoes. And what makes those shoes so special that you have in the world? Why? Well, the, the, the Eagles, they play on, I'm just picking on you because you're right here, bro, and you got the Eagles, you, you love the Eagles, man, and they're actually doing good this year, right? If, you, if they weren't, I wouldn't be picking on you because, like, you notice I ain't picking on no Alabama fans right now, right? <laughs> but anyways, uh, do they play on artificial turf or do they play on grass? What are they, they play on it all? Do you think they wear the same, do you think they wear the same shoes for both? No, in fact, different stadiums, they wear different size cleats, different things. And, and the whole purpose of the shoe is to give you what, man? Traction. Traction. Because if you have no traction, the enemy can push you wherever they want to push you. And you know what the number one way the enemy wants to push you, my friend, is to get you to doubt your salvation. He wants to get you to doubt your salvation because if he can get you to doubt your salvation, then every single thing you do will not be for God. It'll be for you trying to earn your way to God to prove that you're saved. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, for, for, it'll be, a, turn, it be turned into a pride thing to be able to show it instead of you realizing, dude, I'm in this bucket and there's nothing that I can do to get kicked out of this bucket positionally. Look at this. The shoes are for your feet to give you traction. Having put on the readiness, that's the preparedness. Just like a football player, the Eagles better come out with some shoes on. I mean, can you imagine if they came out today and, and, and all of a sudden, they, none of the Eagles had, who are they playing today? Dallas. Dallas. Oh, they don't need shoes for Dallas, man. I'm just saying, but no, but... <laughs> But I'm just saying, that would be a fair fight, right? No, I'm just saying, can you imagine if the Eagles came out and didn't have any shoes on? What would be the first thing the commentators are saying, y'all? The Eagles don't have shoes on. And if you're a Dallas Cowboy, I'd be stomping on their feet, right? I'd be pushing them around. It would be noticed. What? What? What kind of person would go out on a football field with no shoes? What kind of? <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah until my feet are broken which brings me to another point man hey when your feet are messed up how good is the rest of your body scott when your feet are messed up yeah man you can have the best torso quads leg, everything you got no feet dude <laughs> unless you can play on your belly <laughs> you ain't going nowhere and you know that was a military strategy they had 
A military strategy that, that, that's ancient as can be was to dig pits and put spikes in there and cover them over. And if you could get a whole military strutting across and fall in and they have spikes through their feet, how good is that military going to be? Devin, how good are they going to be? No, you got to have shoes. Vietnam, man, I heard my brother and all them talking about jungle rot. Had to take care of your feet, man. You got your feet are crucial. Man, you got to take care of them here. So, man, as shoes for your feet, having put to be ready for spiritual warfare. And so look what the shoes are for. They give you traction because look at what the wordage is. The verbiage is gospel of peace. Now, you may have heard it preached numerous times about, oh, we're using our feet to share the gospel. No. First and foremost, it's you getting traction knowing that you have the gospel of peace, knowing that the gospel gave you peace with God. When you got saved, man, God's wrath was all poured on Christ, and you're as close to hell as you're ever going to be. Man, when you got saved, all of what Christ took on at the cross, man, he took all of your sins, all of your wrath, all of your punishment. So is there any punishment left for you, Ann? Is there any more of God's wrath on you? No. In fact, you have peace from God because of what Christ did. What kind of traction does that give you? How many times in spiritual warfare would the devil like you to doubt your salvation, question whether you're even a believer? How many of y'all ever acted in such a way you're like, yeah, I don't even know if I'm a believer no more? Honestly, what's your hand? You ever act that way? You, you questioned it? I have. And I'm like, but I got to go back to the truth. I made a commitment to the truth. And the truth helps me overcome my emotions, which are all getting in the way, saying, wow, you really sure you're saved? goes against my, my heart that's trying to follow my emotions. And in my head, you know, all I'm working together and Satan's attacking in there because if he can get me to doubt my salvation, then am I ever going to do anything out of the motivation of love for God, which is what eternal rewards come from now? I'm going to be a Jehovah Witness. That's what I'm going to be. You know why Jehovah Witnesses are knocking on your door? A a April, you grew up in it. Why are the Jehovah Witnesses knocking on your door? Is it for your salvation or theirs? It's theirs. They're hoping they'll be one of the 144,000 unless they change their rules again, you know, which cults have to do every once in a while. But they're hoping they'd be one of the 144,000. They'd be faithful witnesses and be counted as one of the 144,000 that you'll see in Revelation. It has nothing to do with that, that they made it say it about it because they took it out of context. And so, so, and if you don't make it, what happens to you? You're annihilated or something, aren't you? Yeah, or, 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 or not. yeah, they don't believe in hell, do they? It's annihilation. You just don't. Yeah, death. Yeah. Straight out of the pit of hell. But again, you become like them knocking on the door for your own salvation instead of for someone else's. You'll never do things with the right motivation until you know God has saved you. So the shoes, having put on the readiness from the gospel of peace. Hey, Bob, you got peace with God? I'll never forget the day you walked up to me among all that sand flea, that sand flea service we had up there right at the end of COVID. We're all getting in by it. Bob comes out and goes, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? I, I like, I already know what, man, by your face. But I'm like, what, Bob? I gave my life to Jesus. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and it was that day when you gave your life to Christ that you got peace. How long does that peace last for? Forever. It lasts forever when you get it. 
So if it lasts forever, can anybody take it away from you? Do you have to renew it like a magazine subscription? Y'all don't even know what magazines are anymore, right? Like an app? You got to renew it like an app? No, it's like, yeah. Can it fall out of your pocket and someone like, oh, did you lose this salvation? <laughs> did you leave? No, dude, it's yours. It's like a leash on a surfboard, man. You don't hold on to it, Marley. It holds on to you. That's, that's that salvation, man. And you have peace. So when you get in battle, when you realize you're outside of God's realm, when you catch yourself, or even before you wake up first thing in the morning, man, get in a bucket. Hopefully you're there to just say, God, I'm making a commitment to living for you today. And maybe it wouldn't hurt at that point to open the word of God up and say, if I'm going to make a commitment to live by the, by the truth, I better know what it is. And, and, and do that. And then as soon as you walk out for the day, remember, you're walking in this bucket. Wherever God wants you to go, that's where you're going. It's a little narrow path wherever he takes you. But how many of y'all think you're going to face some opposition right away? And when you face opposition, your gut's going to say, oh, 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 man, I'm going to lose this job if I don't act, do this wrong thing. Or I'm going to, man, I'm going to give this piece of, person a piece of my mind I can't afford to give. I'm going to, you know, different things. Your, gut, your guts are going to tell you to do the wrong thing. Your heart's going to tell you to do the wrong thing. And your mind's going to tell you to do the wrong thing. They're all going to work together to change your heart. And you're going to be confused and do the wrong thing. But make the commitment and just say, you know what? Regardless how I feel, regardless how I think, regardless of what I want. And y'all ever want the wrong thing? Y'all wait till snowbird traffic gets here. And yeah, you'll be wanting the wrong thing. I'm promising you. you <laughs> some of y'all just got here like, oh, no, not us. You wait one year. <laughs> I'm just gathering them. No, I don't understand why you people drive crazy in Florida. It's like, you will after this year, bro. <laughs> You realize why there's all kinds of cars down in the river? <laughs> but anyways, man, you got to go against it all. You got to do the right thing. Make the commitment to the truth and then actually do it. And let me ask you a question. When you're doing it, are you doing it in your own might? No, you're doing it in his might. He's going to give you the desire and ability to do it, and that's going to blow you away. And your traction comes from knowing you're his. And if you're his, what's the worst they can do to you? What's the worst they can do to y'all? And we'll finish up. How about kill you? Yeah, where's that? Well, that don't sound very good. Well, wait a minute. Absent from the body is present with who, Julia? If they kill you, what happens? You go see Jesus. And I know you're a mom. What about my kids? What about Sean? What about you? You know what? If God lets you be killed, he's got them taken care of too. And I'm not being facetious or jokingly about that, but I'm being, I'm being serious a heart attack. God takes you. You ain't going unless it's God's time for you to be gone. And God chose, and for you, you're not going to be upset at all because you're going to be with the Lord. And it's going to be a pretty awesome thing for you. So that's the worst they can do to us if we have our firm footing in the gospel and we know we have peace with God that can't be taken away. Amen? So make a commitment to live in the bucket Stay in the bucket, regardless of what your heart and mind and, 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 and will want to do, and dig in knowing that you are not fighting for a victory, you're fighting from a victory. He's already given you the power, the strength to do it. Just do it. Stay in him, it works out, and then you'll have an awesome story to tell. Let's pray. Father, thanks for loving us, and thanks for giving us this. And um, 
Father, I know that even preaching this, I cover it with the blood of Jesus. And I would really probably love to pray and say, Father, give us no fights today with the enemy. Give us no struggles. Let us have no battles. But it's not until we have those battles. It's not until we have that opposition that we can see how effective you are and how it really does work. So, Father, we know that when you teach us this stuff, we know we're going to get an opportunity to use it. So when it comes into our life, Father, help us not get caught by surprise. Help us recognize right away it's spiritual warfare. Help us right away to make a commitment to being in the truth that no matter what our heart wants, no matter what our emotions want, no matter what our mind wants, we're going to do what you want us to do. And in it, we're going to trust in your grace through faith that you're going to give us the desire and ability to actually do it. It's not just going to be words that we make and then fall back on that commitment, Father. We're going to actually apply that second piece of armor and we're actually going to live in it and we're actually going to do it. And we're going to find traction in the fact that we know we are your children and nothing's coming in our life except by your design that is going to make us more like you and bring you glory. And in the end, Father, when we get the Stephanos, the crowns from each victory, we take those crowns to heaven, according to the book of Revelation, and it is one big worship service where you keep bringing up all these victories from all the believers, and each time you bring one of our victories up, we know the only reason we ever even had victory was because we tapped into your might, and we take that Stephanos off, and we lay it down at your feet, and we worship you. So help us recognize that right now, every opportunity to fight, every situation you bring in our life is not for us to just win a victory. It's not that we have just have to battle until we're worn out, but instead it's an opportunity to please you and it's an opportunity to worship you in the future. Father, we're grateful for this. Help us be grateful because when we're grateful, everything's great. But help us take this scripture today make a commitment to the truth, to actually pull it off through your grace and know that it's all by your plan. That anything that comes in our life today has had to have permission to come through you first. And it's so we can worship you now and worship you later with the victory, knowing the victory only comes through you. Show us what that means, Father. Help us do it. And if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Christ, and is tired of a life of defeat because they have no armor. They have no power to fight against the enemy of this world. Father, today I pray you'd give them a desire they can't refuse to surrender everything they know about themselves, everything they know about you, and watch you take over and give them victory. And through those victories, show them how much you love them so they can love you. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.